Welcome to the Dungeon Master's Guide, a podcast for new and veteran enthusiasts of Dungeons & Dragons to get all the information you need to run your own game. My name is Nathan Lewis, and I will be your host. This episode will be centered around non-player characters, or NPCs, where to start, how naming works, and their backgrounds and goals. Let's get started. What is an NPC, and why do they matter? An NPC is any character which is not directly controlled by a player, and can be anything from proverbial setting garnish to your story's main antagonist. That definition casts a very wide net, so focusing on developing your NPCs around the time you have an initial starting town is crucial to the success of any world or story. As I detailed in the world building episode, Working from the ground up is a good practice when creating anything, and we will be employing this philosophy to NPCs as well. The world you construct should move and shift even if your players are not there. As the saying goes, if a tree in the woods falls, does a D&D NPC still have a life? Jokes aside, your world should breathe and shift in real time, separate and alongside the actions of your players. Giving your NPCs backgrounds, goals, everyday jobs, and a sense of hierarchy can do much to achieve a feeling of a breathing world. This inorganic flow of peoples can spice up your settlements and add viable stakes for failing quests. All of this begins with your first NPC. In order to illustrate this, let's set a scene by going back to the previous inn we had created last episode, the Red Herring Pub. Let's create its owner slash barkeep. Let's begin designing them by keeping in mind a simple statement. Fantasy is more than reality, but not less. The aspects of people you currently see every day can and should exist in your Dungeons & Dragons game in order to add believability to it. Diversity should be prolific and will do much to make your world an attainable one. So with this in mind, let's determine the innkeeper's basics. You can create a bullet list to know which aspects you have yet to complete. Before unleashing them into their pub, we need to create and define gender, race, and personality. If you are needing to quickly create an NPC to fill a certain space, you are welcome to stop here. However, since this specific character is more likely going to be directly interacted with, let's also determine their clothing, quirks, general backstory, goals, and environmental tie-ins. There are a plethora of races in Dungeons & Dragons, with many of them having different body types depending on gender, so I suggest determining gender and race in tandem. 
If your character is a long and gaunt elf, they may be male. In contrast, if your character is a short and stout female, they may be dwarven. One additional example is a furbog of moderate height with a connection to nature who may also be non-binary. Whatever your choice in this field, it can only add to the character depth which your players will appreciate. For our innkeeper, let's set their gender as male and give them the race of halfling. Upon meeting someone, most can immediately detect what personality another person has. Using this concept, it is a good idea to drop hints about a person's personality within the first few instances of an interaction. This will create a strong platform where all future player interactions will spring from. So with your innkeeper, let's give them a somewhat timid and held back personality in order to give strong contrast from the surrounding pub and accentuate this with a subservient initial conversation and quiet voice. This will give two things to the character, a lasting impression to our players because of the clash between their personality and profession, as well as a way to draw in our players to more roleplay. Let's take a moment to talk about this. While there is more than enough room to create interactions and events which are directed towards just fun, it's important to be cognizant of the purpose of your player interactions and NPCs. Let's go back to our innkeeper. The reason why I chose to have their personality be at such contrast with their profession is because I wanted to introduce the players to potential to use roleplay to either haggle for better prices or communicate a desire for information from this character. Because of the innkeeper's subservient personality, it allows for, for a lack of a better descriptor, the NPC to be pushed around a little by the group. This may even eventually lead to the party pushing around a future NPC whom is more resolved and the consequences for doing so. Also, giving this character a more reserved perspective on life in general allows them to be very passionate about the perspective item or task. Even though they may have a more understated personality, our innkeeper may be very involved in the intricacies of beer making. If our players ask for a drink of mead or inquire on the beer barrels placed within the inn, our innkeeper's disposition can immediately switch to happiness and excited ravings, giving believability and depth to his character. Now that their core three tenants are decided, let's give our innkeeper a name. There are several ways to do this, all of which have their own benefits. You could explore the many name generators on the internet, inputting the race and gender of your character to receive a name. While this method is fast, usually the name can be complex, and I often find myself stumbling over the pronunciation since it did not originate from my mind. Another method is to look for an existing name in the real world and twist it slightly, taking in mind accurate punctuation and racial tropes while doing so. For example, a female elven name could be Sa-Ra, spelled S-A-apostrophe-R-A. Another example is a male dwarf being named Guthar, spelled G-U-T-H-A-R. 
For our halfling innkeeper, let's give him the name of Merit, spelled M-A-R-R-E-T. Now, if this character was not as integral to the main story, we might have the bandwidth to end here. But since our players will be interacting with him, let's continue detailing Merit. The next step is to describe clothing. This is where you as a game master have a considerable amount of room for creativity. However, while you are describing what your character is wearing, keep in mind what type of lifestyle they have. How rich or poor is your NPC? Do they partake in manual labor or are they more likely to contract someone else to do so? Do they have connections to leadership or royalty? All of these questions are good guidelines when detailing what one is wearing. To this end, let's give Merit a set of well-worn deep brown leather trousers which are slightly frayed near where they end just under his knees. Strong but old leather moccasins adorn his feet tied together by a few different colored tan strings. A stained but clean white shirt made out of a starchy fabric covers his small chest but is mostly hidden by a long black apron which scrapes the ground in front of him. On Merritt's right exposed forearm hangs a bundle of worn wooden beads, which could have a connection to a deity which he worships. Lastly, a leather-bound notebook is secured within a pocket on the front of his apron, and a stubby pencil rests above his left ear. You can now begin to understand just how much depth clothing and accessories can add to your characters. With Merit's adding a few questions about his encounters, such as, what god does he worship, and is he devout about this relationship? Moving on, let's detail a few quirks which Merit can have. Everyone has a bit of quirkiness to themselves, and so adding a few to any character can bring believability and a dash of fun to their interactions. For our innkeeper, to go with his personality, let's say he constantly fidgets with the pencil on his ear and enunciates overly clearly. A few other ones which the Dungeon Master's guidebook details could be a particularly low or high voice, or even that they twirl their hair or tug on their beard. Whatever you choose, this is a great place to add humor and a bit of roleplay as you act out your characters. Because Merit is a relatively important character, Let's give him a general backstory. While doing so adds much to your ability to deliver believable interactions as a dungeon master, it also gives you a place to add quest hooks into said interaction if your players dive in deep. A character's backstory brings together several schools of detail, mainly their bonds, flaws, and goals. To detail this, it's time to dive into the book. As always, I will be referencing the Dungeon Master's Guide, the book which this podcast was named after, written by the creators of D&D, Mike Merles, Jeremy Crawford, Christopher Perkins, and James Wyatt. Let's dive in. 
On page 90 and 91 of this book, there are six tables which can help you detail your character's bonds and flaws. These aspects can do much to help you construct a background. For example, our innkeeper could be very protective of their colleagues, or even be out for revenge. In order to align with the established personality of Merritt, let's say he is captivated by a romantic interest and becomes very bold while in their presence. Going further, Merritt's flaw could be that he has a very specific phobia or an overpowering greed, but I think he may have a shameful or scandalous history, which makes him feel like he is not worth his romantic interest's affection. With these two character details in place, we can build an initial quest around these specifics. I'll get to into quests and how to construct them in a later episode. As always, we can take these principles and scale them dramatically into the world at large. While a majority of characters in your sessions will not be directly interacted with by your characters, it's important to have a few more specific details available to throw into a character just in case the party decides to interact with them. So fill your towns and cities with a plethora of loosely laid out NPCs. But also, I would advise to create a document to have on hand which lists a few bonds, flaws, and especially names in order to allow for improv. For example, if your players decide to go in a direction you did not expect, you can use this list to quickly throw together a few characters and potential quest tie-ins to allow for this divergence. Not every NPC you create will be the proverbial setting garnish, as we have been speaking on. Your villain will also be considered an NPC, and this should be a large focus of any discussion on character creation. During the episode detailing quests, we will explore how to attach your villains to a story thread, but for now let's focus on how to create a big bad in the first place. Creating a villain starts as most other NPCs do. In fact, most evil characters do not start out that way either. Going through the already prescribed creation techniques is a great place to start constructing a villain worth defeating. In order to add that evil tendency into this character, let me place a guideline. Most villains do not, from their own perspective, believe they are evil. While this guideline can be broken for particular reasons which may surround you wanting to create a truly horrific questline, I think we should stick to it for now. On page 94 through 96 of the Dungeon Master's Guidebook, we can see a few instructions on villain schemes, methods, and weaknesses. For example, a villain could want to seize power or a title, or they could even want to cause mayhem by triggering a natural disaster. Applying our guideline to these two examples, we could say that our villain thinks they would run a certain country better than the existing leadership, or they believe that they must kill a large number of the populace in order to save the remainder from another greater threat. Going further, in order to achieve this goal, our villain can have several ways of going about their scheme. They may utilize mind control or create a conspiracy to remove existing leaders from power. On the other hand, they may guide a sect of religious leaders to instruct their congregations to cause said natural disaster. These methods are up to you, but they could, could and should convey a reason for the party to stop the villain. To add a bit of chaos, 
I would also advise you find a moral dilemma for your party to deal with. In our example, stopping the villain from causing the natural disaster could save the initial populace, but could also cause an even greater problem to trigger. These moral issues can lead to character growth within the party, as well as consequences which are unforeseen. Chaos achieved. Not every NPC your party interacts with will be a traditional humanoid, and it's important to keep these characters in mind as your world is a fantastical one. Some of your NPCs may be rumbling stone creatures, powerful giants, warring orcs, or roaring dragons. Regardless, you can apply these same tenets of character building to these NPCs as well. Additionally, keep in mind how primal or educated your characters are. A farmer may have never gone to a university, but still has thoughts about the world around them, which could contrast from the party's general worldview. Similarly, a stone construct may not have high-reaching thoughts, but may still be fiercely loyal to its creator. Lastly, I would like to lightly touch on gods and deities. While Dungeons & Dragons does have established pantheons, you may wish to create your own. Gods can be very, very powerful, but each has their own goals and backstory. This is not something that you will need to place too much thought into while creating characters, and I would even advise to use the set deity structure, but it is entirely up to you as the dungeon master. And that is the basics of creating NPCs. Constructing powerful, hilarious, or even mundane characters is a great way to add flavor to your world. Next episode, we will be discussing adventures and quests. Thank you for listening. Please send any questions to me at thetiltedcrown6 on Twitter. See you next week. Mm-hmm.